of North Dakota, Jonathan Taves. Commit to us. Commit to the jersey. Commit to our people here. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, and I've assembled my usual line mates with me for this evening. First off, you can find him on Twitter at Shepard Price. He is the analytics starling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are better than they played in game one, um, but uh, <laughs> that was bad. That was real bad. And then Ryan Reeves tried to kill a man, so... Well, I mean, as you do, as you, as you do when, when he delivers a bad hit late, but fight him like a adult and then move on. I I remember, um, Ryan Reeves presence on Vegas right now reminds me of 2014 when the Hawks had Brandon Bullock on the fourth line against the Kings, which that just told you that the Hawks were one line short that year because they had Brandon Bullock playing in, in postseason hockey games. And I feel like if Vegas has Ryan Reeves playing postseason hockey games, they might be one line short against that Colorado team. Oh, for sure. They are one line short. And like they have the line in the AHL. They have Cody Glass and Jack Duggan, and they just are not using them. Yeah. What about Dylan Sakura, though? <laughs> Look, if he actually, so he, he drew into warmups uh, today, on today, Tuesday. <clears throat> on the third line in Matthias Janmark's place, if that happens in game th- in game two, Vegas deserves to get swept. Uh, they have to play people who can score on every line. And does the Dylan Sakura is a great player. He cannot score. I don't know about a great player, but <laughs> he know. moves the puck no, pretty well. He, he had good defensive metrics his rookie season. We'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in this. We'll come back to it in a second. I got, I got to bring in two other people who really quickly, uh, first off, he's on Twitter at no one 82. Uh, and he also is the second city hockey. What Adam Lazara is the taking back Sunday. It is Mil Savage. All your friends, Dave, tell all of them. Uh, I was, uh, cut from the high school football team. So, you know, we're just cut from the team. Taking back Sunday, I feel like every single year at Riot Fest, they're like, we're going to play all of Tell Your Friends, and it's some anniversary. And I'm like, you've been doing that for like 13 years. <laughs> there, There's like four or five bands that have to be at Riot Fest every year. Uh, Taking Back Sunday is one of them. Uh, Guar is one of them. <laughs> yeah. um, who else? I feel like I feel like Rise, well, not Rise Against, because they've missed a few, but um, they, I'm like sure the there's a few others in there I'm missing. But Yeah. yeah. Cheesies. Just the stand to get a sandwich. Oh, the best. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually been to the proper location in the city. Like I've only had the food truck at Riot Fest, but it's it's just delightful. Same because um, you know you're gonna walk it off all day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can't. I can't. I I don't know how I'm going to survive. It's uh, this will be the first one I've been to since 2018, coming up in September, and I'm probably just gonna have to amputate my legs by the end of it because they're not gonna work anymore. But can't wait. There you go. Yeah. Uh, also with us this evening, she is not on Twitter, but you can find all her stuff at secondcityhockey.com under the moniker LBR. She is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text, Betsy. 
Um, somebody for the first time, and I was surprised it took this long. Somebody literally used the phrase, um, their eyes glassed over while they were reading one of my articles. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time I used to get that with comments all the time. It's the first time someone said it about an article. And I was, with, and I was like, well, I guess I achieved something. Like, I don't know how to take that exactly. They, they ended with thanks for it. Congratulations. But, <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> is that a compliment? <laughs> they were like, but it looks good. And I'm like, okay, numbers can't hurt you. <laughs> oh, they can. I mean, they, did, people, they hurt the Hawks. <laughs> people can use them in a hurtful way, but the numbers themselves are benign. <laughs> so, I mean, I tried to put more graphs in this time to be like, ooh, colors. <laughs> Look at this graph. That's exactly. I was going to do the same thing though. Baby, do it. <laughs> I mean, there's, there, there, there was a lot of numbers in the article, but I think it, it, it I think it expressed the point that you're trying to make that Pew Suter was pretty good as a, uh, a rookie this season. I almost said yeah. sophomore. He was a rookie. And I kept trying. I really wanted to try to come back around to the point where I think he'll be better as a winger, but I couldn't with the data that I have because he just hasn't played enough at wing in the NHL. Right. Um, but if I could just be like, I think this because of how I watch him, <laughs> that's what it would be. I think he'd be better as a winger, but he was a good center. But yeah, and actually, I'm glad you brought that up, Betsy, because we can quickly plug uh, all our uh, deep player dives that are popping up at secondcityhockey.com. We started them last week. We're going to continue this week and probably well into June. And at some point, we're going to put a pin in those and transition to expansion drafts, uh, upcoming uh, free agency, all that good stuff. But we're heavy in the player deep dive article section of our offseason content. So keep an eye out for those because there's going to be hopefully we're going to do a one every weekday until we get tired of writing about guys on the Blackhawks from 2021. Um, but right just before we get we we've done some season recaps. We've talked about the forwards. We've talked about the defensemen. So we're going to get to the goalies tonight. But before we do that, um, I, like everyone else in this podcast and probably a lot of you listening to this podcast, um, because the Hawks aren't playing, I've been watching a fair amount of the other games. And so just wanted to see what some early impressions were from all of you, anything you've picked up on from the games you've watched. And really, I mean, let's just let's just take a moment and just Toronto Maple Leafs. Holy shit. How do you keep doing this? They're cursed. <laughs> I, I think Steve Dangle is like they're haunted. And I'm like, probably. They've got to be right. 17 years, not making it out of the first round. Like the way the, the biggest uh, comp I've always thought of them as the hockey Chicago bears and that like, they are um, probably one of the most popular teams and the most popular sport in that country. And I think the bears have that in Chicago and in the United States and just Anytime they get remotely good, everyone starts to kind of lose their shit, and then they just don't do the thing that they're supposed to do and leave their fan base painfully, painfully disappointed. So, so, and in one way, I can feel their pain as a Toronto uh, or as a Bears fan and uh, and Maple Leafs observer. But man, that is just—I can't decide which franchise is funnier, though. Their blue line stinks. <laughs> the Leafs are funnier. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it is the least. I just I, I look at their um like Mill said, like I look at their blue line and like from the very beginning, like I, I know they have a ton of offensive talent, but I mean Justin Hall was a Blackhawks cast off. And I know he's 
turned into a fairly good NHL or at least a decent serviceable NHL player, but he's playing like mid pairing minutes. And I don't know if that's going to work for you. Yeah. They, and the, the problem is Morgan Riley, who's supposed to be the number one has never been truly great in his own end. And he was okay in the playoffs, but he's, again, you have to have a, a number one, like Duncan Keith, who is truly great in his own end, which is brings me to a point I wrote about, but like, I don't want published on the site. Uh, <laughs> Duncan Keith, Duncan Keith should be traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is kind of a hot take, but it's kind of not. I they kind of need a player like him. I saw that in the, in the draft section. And I just like, I could see, I could see how that would like, I, I see the point you're getting at. Like, I, I understand, but like, there's no fucking way. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> he would, he would have to, he would have to agree. I think he right. might, I think he might, they're, they're certainly more contentious than the Blackhawks are. Um, yeah. And it's something I think Dubas looking at the acquisitions Dubas made this season, he wanted a guy like Keith. He just got the wrong guys. Like he traded up first for Nick Felino. He was looking for Duncan Keith. You know, there were I saw somebody mention on on Twitter in a that, you know, they brought in like Spezza and Thornton and Felino and all these guys, all this quote veteran leadership and didn't win this year. So that means veteran leadership isn't a thing. But like a veteran leadership is the thing you're going for. You got a bunch of guys on that team that didn't win shit. Like, right, exactly. None of those guys have won a cup. Thornton, right? You went, you went with all all old guys who haven't won a cup. Yeah, I mean, Joe Thornton might have won a cup, but I mean, look who they had to play. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like at least he he was there. It doesn't really count, but it's kind of like he played four rounds before. Yeah, but Thornton cost them so much. He had so many turnovers. Mm-hmm. In his own. Oh he yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying on the ice. I'm just saying oh, okay. like in the room. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't yeah, know. He's old and slow. Like, what? and I, I look at their cap. I'm like, I don't see how they fix it. Like, the when the Hawks won all their cups, they had Taves and Kane on their bridge deals of like I think it was like five or six million before the they jumped up to like 10. six three. I thought. Or, all yeah, right, yeah, maybe three. six. But either way, they weren't in double digits. And I know it's like based on percentages of the cap, it's different now than it was whatever. But you have. Like you have three guys at 30 million, which is roughly like 37, 38% of the cap already in Toronto between Marner, Tavares, and Matthews. Like, how the fuck are they ever going to get depth with three guys taking 30 million? The same thing can be said about Edmonton. (laughs) There you go. Same. Yeah. I, I don't, you have to, you have to win your cups while you're, your studs are either on entry level deals or on their bridge deals. Cause once they get their full, like, maximized salary thing like it kind of makes it difficult to win it it makes it difficult to spread the wealth around financially and it's really hard to develop the third and fourth line you need to win and that also is what held back pittsburgh for a while because they won their first cup when you know the two big were on um their second like their lower contracts not uh or and then only one of them was on their second but it took Pittsburgh, another, you know, seven years before they got back up and they had some of the biggest cap increases, luckily for them. Um, So it was at least a little bit better. But Chicago, Edmonton and um, Toronto all signed big players thinking the cap was going to go up. And then we got hit year over year. Of course, we had the oil <laughs> the, Whatever oil, the oil price happened. issues that take <laughs> yeah. the cap, yeah, and then they have the pandemic, and now they're saying, "Hey, the cap isn't going to go up for another five years." For 
Edmonton and Chicago, where they only have two, they might be able to like work around that. But three in Toronto, they are their best players. But that's a lot of cap space for just three. Also, how the hell is the cap not going to go up? They just signed for like $11 million with ESPN and Turner, which is going to like, should bring in a massive uh, boost. Like the the TV money goes up and then that's going to probably bring in new endorsements because they're probably going to get more exposure on those networks than they have on NBC. How in the hell is the cap not going to go up? I don't understand that. I can understand it not going up because they're still eating into the lost profits from last year and this season. So I could see it not going up for like a couple of years, but five years seems like a really fucking long time. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know that like the pandemic screwed a lot of things financially. I, I think I would, I, I've, I did not come up with this idea. I saw it someone else and I, I feel like it's probably come up at some point on this podcast, but I wish the league would institute some sort of hometown discount where if you have a player under contract that you drafted and and he's never gone anywhere else that his contract is like uh, it's like 33% lower against your salary cap or something like that uh, cuz i think this like it'll it'll help edmonton it'll help kind of help toronto it wouldn't apply to tavares but it'd apply to the other two and it helped pittsburgh like i don't know i just it's you can't you're you're going to screw a lot of your teams with this flat salary cap stuff i think I, I don't well, know. they're screwing the league, too, because it's not going to grow when McDavid, Matthews, Crosby, and Ovechkin are all out in the first round. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, like, no, seriously, like, you guys, I have friends who are really into basketball, and then they're, like, trying to get into hockey. How are they going to get into hockey when it's, like, the Islanders are in this, like, they're, <laughs> you know, they're the New Jersey right. Devils right. from the 90s. And Colorado is just going to steamroll everyone. Yeah, I was going to say they still have. Sorry, Shepard. The Abs and the and Carolina and Tampa and the Bruins. Yeah, exciting, but totally. But like, it's it's just more or less the idea of like they don't they don't advertise their stars the way they should. (laughs) They really don't. No, no. And hopefully, like the ESPN thing uh, fixes that a little bit. Um, but yeah, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that I think that's enough Toronto talk. Uh, I I don't know if, what other series you guys have been watching. I mean, Shepard, if this is where you want to continue airing your Peter DeBoer grievances, I mean, please go ahead. Oh, he is awful. <laughs> and if and if if it is at all possible for Stan Bowman to realize the, the mistakes of his ways, have an epiphany and hire Gerard Gallant this this offseason, please do that. Please have that epiphany and please bring him in because I really, I really just want to see what Adam Boquist can do under under Gerard Gallant. Because I like he took Shea Theodore above and beyond while using Derek Engeland as his defensive partner. Like, if he can do that with Adam Boquist and like Murphy or Mitchell or somebody, y- yes, please. <laughs> and any um, team who's building should look at the abs and model after that. Which yeah. the abs are modeled after the Hawks from their cup years. Like, yeah, they just, well, I mean, but smaller. Yeah, faster and smaller. A little bit. They're actually they're actually not smaller than the like 2013 team. They're a little bit smaller than 2015. They're definitely smaller than 2010. Though 2010 was just a average team when it went out and would be considered huge now. Yeah, like, I think the only big guy on the, the those Hawks blue lines was Seabrook, and he wasn't that big. Buffin. He was like six. Well, well, Buffin, yeah, Buffin, like, Buffin 2010 Buffin. too. But, yeah, but Bickle and Seabrook were the only two guys that were really all that big mm-hmm. um they on average they're the two twenty the 2013 team it was is moderately smaller than this abs team but 2015 and slightly bigger because you had guys like vermette come in and 
he was a little bit bigger, but not Hanzus had a lot of ass, didn't he? Who? Uh, Michael Hanzus. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. big and slow. Yeah, big boy. That, <laughs> that 2013 team was the smallest team in the playoffs by like five or six pounds. Totally. But they burned everybody. That's why. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. The abs are just like that. They're faster now because the entire NHL is faster as a whole. But in terms of speed and skill over unnecessary physicality, like they could be physical when they needed to. Obviously, Bolin had key hits. Seabrook had key hits, that kind of stuff. Bickle obviously had great hits. But it's speed and skill first, and then everything else can come after. I can tell you that from watching um, watching Colorado, well, it, it's like a two-part thought is I'm watching Carolina and Tampa, but I'm actually watching them tonight, and so glad that they are going back to the Eastern Conference next season. <laughs> but th- that thought is lasts for about five seconds because then I remember that Colorado is coming back to the Hawks division next year. And I don't know when that's going to stop because that, that Colorado uh, like uh, – avalanche joke it's picking up momentum you, you know where i'm going with this but they're just yeah they're scary and they're going to be good for several seasons and shit <laughs> that'll that'll, yeah. stop oh when everybody, that'll stop when everybody but not named nathan mckinnon because apparently he's willing to take another team-friendly deal but it'll stop when everybody else who isn't and they have to actually pay kale the car yeah fucking a and I mean, it's, it's I guess it's a matter of whether or not they get McCarr to take like the two or three year bridge deal, at like five or six, or he goes for double digits like the the Toronto kids all did, which is why they're kind of screwed right now. But well, yeah, it might can, be the perfect time for them because if the cap's low, they might be able to talk all these players into going, "Hey, you can't get big bucks anyway. Stay here for a little bit lower and get a cup." I don't know if you could. I don't know if you could convince Kel McCarr that, like, oh, you're you've been in the Norris conversation since you were 22 years old. You're not gonna get big bucks anywhere. No, there'll be a team willing to pay him like a million, eleven million dollars. I mean, he'd have to he'd have to sign an offer sheet though. Well, for what it's worth, like Sackick's smart, so he might just let those guys go and be scouting to uh, replace them. I don't know if you can replace McCarr. Yeah, not, yeah. I mean, not like there's no way. Kill McCarr is going to be a problem in Chicago but, or in Colorado to at least. Unless, maybe he'll be a problem in Chicago though if they don't want to yeah. pay him. That'd be unless great. Unless Byram steps, unless Byram is like just beautiful next season, I don't think McCarr is going anywhere. They're not going to play around with that. No, I don't mean right now, but I just mean like in, they get to a point where they're not going to want to have the Hawks problems where they had all those guys tied up. Yeah, but see, they couldn't that, add. See, that's like I remember when when Toronto was assembling its uh, all the players it has now. Like there was there was a lot of I remember reading all these Toronto media articles about concerns about like the salary cap and all that, and like win the cup first, and like that. That's like going back to the Dale Talon era. Like the one thing I, I kind of appreciate about him is that he he did not give a shit. He just said we're gonna win this cup first and deal with everything else later. And it, I mean, it, it, they they did have a massive purge after 2010. It took them a few years to get it back together. But it's the the way all these capologists are worried about like 20, you know, 2023 and 2024. I'm like, you can win a cup now, though. Like, screw the future. If you can win a cup, go for it. I, I that like they're getting too. I feel like sometimes the the outlook is too long term down the road. Like to hell with the future. If you have a shot. Win, try and win the cup now because you don't get a lot of those shots. Well, I think the Hawks uh, absolutely needed to be in that mindset because they were irrelevant. But mm-hmm. everything's ass backwards in Toronto because their media treats them like, you know, they're, it's nuts. So it's like 
I, I agree with you, but who the hell knows what they're thinking up there? Yeah. I, at, at some point you like, you know, having your, a great financial situation and all that's really cool and all, but uh, trophies are pretty cool too. I mean, I say let them keep spending and then maybe they'll take Seabrook's contract or something so they can <laughs> flip above the cap and us not have to, like the Blackhawks not have to give up too much because, or if anything, because there are going to be teams like Tampa and Toronto that are going to be desperate for LTIR uh, space. So maybe, maybe that will be helpful for the Hawks. Yeah. Like I, I keep telling myself that Tampa is going to be due for like some massive cap thing. And I, I, I look at it quickly and the longer I look at it, the more I'm like, they're not in that bad of shape. Although they did. Aren't they like at like 98? (laughs) Yeah. Well, they, they did have to like work. Yeah. They're at like night. They're at 98 million. They, they put Kucherov's entire contract on injured reserve for the regular season and then brought him back in the postseason, which, Hey, it's, if you if you can circumvent the camp, go for it. I'm I'm all for it because the Hawks were very good at it for a while. So I'm 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 not uh, not don't hate the player, hate the game. But right, but it it, it did, and it did cost them uh, home ice in the second round. So it's right, like they, which they they didn't suffer for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll figure that out. Um, I mean, Tampa is an example of a team who was knocking on the doorstep for so long that they probably are like, we got a cup, we have a chance of another one, and we're putting butts in seats. So whatever, we won that one. Yeah, and, and that's a team that probably needs the win to put butts in seats because uh, they they do okay. They do better in Florida. Yeah. All right. Well, really quickly, um, as as I realize, we've been talking about the other things for like fifteen twenty minutes already. Uh, you guys want to talk about some Blackhawks goalies real quick. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I guess. <laughs> you remember this Blackhawks team that we're all allegedly supposed to be writing about? Um. So so it comes down to discussion. The three goalies: Kevin Lankin and Malcolm Subban, Colin Delia, and. I don't think any we have to sit here and rehash how they all played this season um, because I think every we all watch the games, the fans all watch the games, everyone knows at this point. I guess my my thought is, or my I guess my question for the panel is that I, I feel like Kevin Lincoln is probably your number one guy going into next season, or at least like going into training camp. But are you are any of you convinced that anything is settled at this point? Because I feel like it's still very much a wide open situation. Yeah, the way he faded down the stretch really like opened up the field again. Like, and it, mm-hmm. it might even be like a four person race because the Blackhawks brought in the Swedish goaltender Soderblom. Right, right. I, I feel a, like just age alone. I feel like he's destined for the AHL, but who knows? Right, he might he might get a shot somewhere down the road if like all three of them play the way they played in like March and April. Please no. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to do that again. I, I'll say this. I miss Corey Crawford. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but we just gotta, we gotta remember to put Corey Crawford in perspective of uh, what was he at 24, 25? A like, Norfolk mm-hmm. Admiral. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe I think it was Rockford. At that I miss point. Corey Crawford, but like, Got to give some of these kids room to breathe. Maybe we'll see him at right first. Yeah. <laughs> and in Corey um, Crawford's first, uh, second full season, they had that, like, the first full season, they had the series against Vancouver. He played really well. And then in the second season, he gave up two shitty goals to Phoenix, and they lost each of those games in overtime. And half the fan base wanted him run out of town. And oh. then the next year, he won the Jennings. 
2012, he was 36th out of 45 goalies in save percentage, and his expected goals saved above was like in the bottom, like thir- like 42nd or something like that in 2012. Like that's how bad 2012 was for him. Okay, okay. so it was – I didn't remember it being that bad in the regular season, but apparently it was. I just remembered those two goals at the end were very stuck in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, because he just – uh, the 2012 team was actually pretty good um, in front of him. It wasn't that different from 2013. Um, they were in first till Taves got hurt. Yeah, exactly. They were a good team in front of them. And Corey Crawford was the weak link on that 2012 team. Um, and that's fine because young goalies, even middle eight, you know, like the middle twenties goalies will go through ups and downs. And once Corey Crawford clicked, he was like golden. He was like, he didn't put up any bad seasons really. Um, and he, he didn't put up, you know, he turned 27 during that season and I don't think any of the trio of uh, Delia, Subban, or Lincoln, and I don't think any of them are 27 yet. Oh, the Lincoln is uh, Subban's, Subban's uh, 27. Subban is 27. All right. And Delia is 26, and he turns 27 like this, like June 20th. So I think yeah, the overall point, like it's it's three very unfinished products, even still, even after that season, and like Delia barely got any games and and impressed. So I I just I, I don't I don't know what else to expect. Like I feel like at least two of those guys are going to be back at training camp next season, if not all three, competing for the number one spot once again. Although I think you have a little bit more confidence that they don't suck. I guess for lack of a better phrase, like because cool. we it was very much a concern in December that these guys could be bad. And they I were better than bad. I don't think it matters how good the like the Blackhawks were so bad. Their The workload of their goaltenders was so heavy um, that unless they're putting up like Vesna worthy numbers the whole season, they're not in the race for the playoffs. Cause the only time they were was when Lincoln and then Subban were putting up such good numbers um, for like, you know, almost half the season, not quite half the season. That's the only time they were in the playoffs. So the team in front has to be better I don't even, I don't think they would have won with, you know, Flurry in net or even Vasilevsky in net or any of the other ones that are up. Like Grubauer is a perfect example. Just got not got a nod for the Vesna and he's not a Vesna quality goalie. Stick him behind. He's a good goalie, but not a Vesna quality. But he Stick won him. so many games, Betsy. <laughs> I, I know. I too know how to sort in HL.com. Um, I could be a voter. See? Can you teach oh. me? <laughs> but if you stuck him behind the Blackhawks, he's not going to be, he's not going to be anywhere near the conversation. Um, and Corey Crawford towards the end of his year was playing behind both the shitty Blackhawks team and putting up great numbers and never got a nod. So I don't know. You just got to let Lincoln in and Subban and even Delia breathe a little bit Lincoln in mm-hmm. specifically, because I think he's got the best foundation of the three, I think positionally, but yeah, the there is still concern about the trail off at the end. Right. And, the lack of like faith that the team is actually going to be better defensively next year. And, and I, I just want, yeah, go, go ahead. <laughs> I just want to throw out something just before we get away from the Crawford thing. Um, I feel like the first year, you know, you, there's no NHL tape on guys like that, especially with when you don't expect them to be the starter. So the, the book was kind of out on Corey the next year, and then he was able to sort of adjust. But um, the same thing kind of with Lankinen, but none of these other teams outside of the division saw him or, or Malcolm this year. So I think next year we'll get a better sample size. 
Yeah, and, and also like the point about him like wearing down at the end that could have just been fatigue from playing every other night for Yeah, he played thirty seven of the fifty six games. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's Colleton riding him trying to win, trying to get into the playoffs. I get that, but like all three of them dealing at the end with a small sample size, they were not bad. That's Crawford's a perf- another example for this because Crawford was never nominated partially because he didn't have as many wins because what did the Blackhawks do? They didn't ride him quite as much as some of the other starters. He always had a backup or two that they relied on to get at least 20-ish games out of totally. if not 30. I think the most Crawford played was like 56 in a season. Yeah, midfield um, was always his target because they wanted him fresh for the postseason run. Exactly, which worked really great for him, but it meant that his win column is not going to be as high. Um, right. So another reason he got snubbed but a little it's bit. It's okay, his trophy case is high. Yeah. I, but that became the model too, is that like the goaltenders only supposed to pay, play like 45 to 50 games per season now. Yeah, it's not like the Marty Brodeur plays 65 or 70. I think he was the poster child for just playing an obs- an excessive amount of games in an 82 game. I feel game. like Waugh played a lot too. Yeah. Well, I, I think Brodeur was just because that, that team was so defensive reliant and, and goaltending reliant that they needed him. Sure. That. Yeah, but yeah. So what you're saying is they're boring. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but this season you got Vasilevsky and Hellebuck and like Bennington and Grubauer all playing 40 something games in a 50. Six game season. That's a lot of games. In a what very did price play? Not a lot because didn't he get hurt and he was like in the AHL conditioning for yeah. a second? Yeah, uh, he, he was played, also bad for he a played, he he played 25, 25 games. He goalied the Leafs. That's why I asked. I was like, he was fresh, but he goalied the shit out of them. I th- I think it just it just seems like with going back to the the Hawks trio though, like I, it's, it just seems like. We don't really know. And I, I think that it's like almost like a big picture thing for the team. Like there's a lot of guys that offered glimpses and like you have reason to be optimistic about their future. But I th- there's like there's a good handful of guys that need, probably need to like step forward, take another step forward next season and really cement their status as members of the NHL team and not like an AHL guy. And I think one of those goalies is a uh, high on that list. Yeah, and if they had an NHL, like a really good defense in front of them, how would they look that well, that's, good, you know? That's not, you know, I'm not trying to ride the Hawks for that, but that's just the serious question, you know? Yeah. No, it's, that's fair. Like, I got uh, – because the – how the defense plays is going to be significant, uh, significantly impact what's going to happen with the goalies too, so. Or just how much time they spend in their zone. Yeah. <laughs> so there it is. Uh, that's the end of your 2021 season, uh, Blackhawks season recap. You guys are talking about coaching for the next hour now? No, I did that all year. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think, I think me, me, me and Shepard wrote a book together about yeah. it. Yeah. Let's, you know what? I maybe we'll, we'll do that later or, or just not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Sounds like a winner, <laughs> but we're going to talk about some other Blackhawks related things, uh, but we're going to take a quick time out and we'll come back and find out what those other Blackhawks related things are. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And as promised before the break, we uh, did want to touch on a few Chicago Blackhawks who are playing hockey right now. Uh, the IIHF Worlds are happening out in Latvia. And uh, a few guys are actually kind of tearing shit up. Uh, Dominic Kubelik's got six points in six games for the Czech Republic. Lucas Reichel has six points in six games for Germany. Um, and guys, uh, I just want to put this out to the panel. 
Stop it. Do you it. know who the number one person in terms of plus minus is for this tournament? Stop it, Dave. Dave, that's a bad stat. I don't care. I'm I'm just reading. I'm just I'm just <laughs> delivering the message. Zadorov. Nikita Zadorov at a plus eleven. Yeah. How about it? Also, uh, this question is specifically for Mill because you're well, and Betsy, you might know this name too. But uh, do you guys know who the number one face-off percentage leader is in the tournament? It's from uh, Finland. Atuaraki? I haven't. I haven't watched any of this. It's Petri Kantiola. Oh Jesus Christ! Sorry, that's a played really, like, really played like ten games for the Hawks back in like oh eight. Yeah. Yeah, also, uh, like- Dom- Dominic Cahoon is sixth, which I did not see coming. Oh, he's only taken like 14 draws. So. Yeah, I, didn't, I think he's only played in one game. Yeah. Uh, yeah oh, this guy didn't, he didn't play in enough games for me to get that angry at him. Yeah, he, he was like, uh, I think he was like a second or third center, and then uh, he disappeared to, well, back to Finland probably. Um, but he but, did wear the, wor- he was there the worst patch season. <laughs> he was, exactly. <laughs> um, but the reason we wanted to bring this up is mainly to talk about a Dominic Kubalik still good at hockey, and Lucas Reichel continues to be very, very good and very, very encouraging. So I haven't watched a ton of these games, uh, Betsy. I know you have. So did you have any thoughts or observations or anything to share, Blackhawks related or not? Uh, well, Reichel played both wing and center um, in the games that he's played. He played. He started out at wing. They moved him to two C for a couple of games, and then when he came back for this last game, he was back at wing. Um, so it's interesting that they're still playing around with him um, positionally because a lot of Blackhawks fans keep being like, oh, we're going to pencil him out in at 3C maybe for next year. And one, we don't know if he's going to make the NHL. It might be better if he gets some time in the AHL. And then two, we don't know if he'll be a center. But that versatility is very cool to see, at least. Um, the I'll say the one thing is that his wingers typically do a lot of things that centers will do um, in the German league. Uh, his left winger took a lot of faceoffs, for example. So Reichel could do well with maybe like Kane, who plays like a center, but I don't know who would take their faceoffs. Um, and then Kubalik. Patrick Contiola. <laughs> I think <laughs> Kubalik and Kurashev have played really well too. Kurashev, I think, has four points, um, but I think he's been better away from the puck. They've been using him mostly on the second and third line for his uh, team. And then Kubalik's just. He's their top line, one of the top line. He's been great offensively. And I haven't, I haven't watched enough Russia games, but I do know that Zadorov is playing well for them. Kind of hard to get out. Maybe their coach lets them break up yes. zone entries. Honestly, exactly. they are playing zone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no Maybe kidding. He's to play zone. Um, so not hard for him to stay in one spot. Yeah. He's, he's, I think he, benefit from being in a zone system and being allowed to play um, at the blue line. Cause those are things that he was pretty good at. Uh, Hagel's playing well too, but he's playing on mostly a third and fourth line for Canada. He has zero points, but he is noticeable in every game. He, he kind of plays playing like a rat kind of game more than anything else. Um, I feel like Hagel on the bigger sheet of ice would be even more fun to watch just because of how fast he is. And he's got more room to operate. Canada's lower lines just aren't really all that offensive. They're doing like Canada and the U.S. kind of sh- like their uh, prelim, like their games before the prelims were kind of rough on them. That took them a little while to get going. Now the U.S. is 
like top in their division. And I think Canada is third. So who's going to win, Betsy? Who's going to win the tournament? I, I, I'm putting you on the spot now, even though I didn't tell you I was going to do this ahead of time. And I'm going to uh, bet on whoever you say. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I like Finland's chances. Okay. I think the U.S. Okay, so the U.S., Finland, Germany, and Canada are all in one group. I, Canada's been struggling. I think they've, they've only won three games, and they haven't looked that convincing in any of those wins. Um, the U.S. has at least battled back in some of their their one loss, but they've won the other six. And then Germany started out really strong, but I think Finland might be the most balanced. They've won their last four in a row at least. And I think their goalie's the best. Like he's one of the top guys, I want to say. Um, yeah. Who's their so, goaltender? I don't know. Some For Finland? Yeah, he's yeah. – it's not. It's not Kevin Langanen. And he's not. No. Old, he's an older guy. Um, oh, Harry Sateri. Yeah, Harry Sateri. Cal Peterson for the U.S. Name. is the okay. leader, and yeah. Cal Peterson is doing awesome. But I just, I don't know. I think that's the reason the U.S. is winning more than anything else. And I think Finland overall might be slightly better. Russia's doing well too, but I don't. I don't think their goaltenders going. They're on to the quarterfinals, which start up on. Thursday, June, June 3rd is Thursday. Yeah. Um, so it's the, the quarterfinal round is, uh, Switzerland and Germany, United States, Slovakia, Finland against the Czech and the Canada. It says ROC. Do they still have that? Like Russia, like the Olympic ban in place for Russia where they can't say they're from Russia, but they are, which is still a bizarre situation. It's Canada and Russia for the other quarterfinal game though. Um, so, so that starts Thursday and like, the overwhelming majority of the Hawks who are, I mean, there, there's a lot of the Hawks still alive in the tournament. So if you got something, you got nothing to do on Thursday. Uh, their games have all been on NHL network that I've seen. So uh, you can watch some of current and future Hawks uh, do some things. Oh, before we go, Sweden didn't make the quarterfinals. No, they didn't. Yeah. They were, they were the first team out. They <laughs> had the, yeah, they won three, three and one. I don't know who the uh, Kazakhstan was 10th. Yep. I didn't honestly did not know Kazakhstan had, was a big hockey country, but They're only the German versus Kazakhstan game is the only reason Germany is not higher ranked than um, Finland for me. And it's because Germany, but that was the game without Reichel too. So I, they lost by one, but the Kazakhstan goalie was really good. Okay. Um, hey Dave, before we move on, I pulled up some game from that 07 08 season and I totally saw Contiola score or have one of his five assists in person. And uh, how, how, the, how are you so sure that you saw Petri Contiola assist? Because I pulled up the game sheet from one of these games I was oh, at. Okay. And uh, fucking, that was one of those Canucks games where there was like two five and tens everywhere. Oh, okay. Those so, are, those are, that, that was like the uh, the very beginning of all that. Yeah, like right before that 09 season. Because this is like James Wisniewski was fighting people and like eager. He got a misconduct. And it was, no, it was, no wins, no wins. <laughs> oh, man. Those were the days. All right. Well, I guess that's it for the, uh, the hockey portions of this year podcast. And it's my turn for the food take that we've been doing every week. And I'm, I'm really – I'm I'm kind of disappointed in myself. I don't I I was unprepared, and I've been trying to think of a food take as we've been talking here, and I don't have any pressing ideas at the moment. Just double shift the ranch. 
I, I mean, yeah, like, I just, I just want to like yell at people that are mainly the Midwestern folk that just abuse and abuse ranch dressing. It's like, I don't even think you need it anymore, to be honest. What? Well, Dave, I, I got a question for you on a food take. Okay. You just went to your first baseball game of the year. I haven't gone yet. What's your favorite thing to get at a Sox game? All right. Uh, oof. Do I have to pick one? <laughs> well, I mean, it could just be a thing. All I'm right. Here, here, here we go. All right. I got a food take. I, I just came up with it. Uh, screw hot dogs. Give me polo sausage all day over hot dogs. Bratwurst. No. Bratwurst, Bratwurst. are too, Bratwurst are too, like, they're too much. Hot are dogs, they? Hot dogs are not enough. Hot dogs are not enough for an adult male to be, like, feel satiated. You have to probably eat two of them. Bratwurst are just kind of, like, heavy. I feel, I always feel, like, just heavy after I eat a bratwurst. The polo sausage is right in the middle. You do- you toss on some grilled onions. You splash some mustard on it. Polo sausage is should be the primary baseball stadium food. There it is. Fuck your yeah, hot dog. I don't- Fuck your bratwurst. Give me Polish. Uh, unless it's dollar dog day, I'm not getting a hot dog. I agree with that. The Sox are one of the teams that offer the vegan hot dogs, which I appreciate, except they're always fucking sold out of them. <laughs> well, I I did not get the uh, I did not get a vegan hot dog, nor did I see where they were selling them. But uh, I'll have to report back next. Time. My my favorite thing though is you know like there's a stand in the outfield where like if you're you're facing center field, but uh, you can't see the field because of it. Okay, there's like a big yeah food stand. The and fan like, deck. Uh, it's yeah yeah yeah. 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 And uh, they have those little, like, you get those plastic helmets that have the, uh, they're like garlic Parmesan waffle fries. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those What's are the, the Irish nachos. Is that I, what they are? I believe they call them Irish nachos. Yeah, because they come in a green socks helmet, right? There are, like, some of the food things that are coming out now are just, like, pornographic. They're just unnecessary. Like, I was at a, in uh, Colorado in 2019 at Coors Field, and they had, they took the inside of a Philly cheesesteak and put that on top of a hot dog. Dude, like now it's good, but it's just, I had a stretch where I was working across the street from the United center with some of my staff every day. And we would, the Sox had a homestand and we went every day the whole week to get dinner there. (laughs) I'm glad you lived to tell about it. Cause that's, that's, I I, like, um, I don't think any stadium food lends itself to a healthy diet. No, no, no. I was going to say that that I don't go to baseball games that much. And I went to Turner Field a lot more than I went to SunTrust. I've only been to SunTrust twice in Atlanta. It's not in Atlanta, first of all. That's the new one they put in the burbs that everybody hates. It's it's the Cobb County Braves, okay? Yes. Um, It's it's near the mall, okay? It's near Cumberland Mall. If you're next to a mall, you're not... You're not in the city. Um, Skypoint Whalers. But they have a Waffle House at SunTrust. Like they have a, you just go get all kinds of Waffle House, but they also have a place that does um, a chicken and waffle boat. Um, I got it the last time. It's, you know, boneless fried chicken. They, you can put it, I got it in uh, mango habanera sauce, Um, sugar, pecans, honey, curly fries. It was delicious. My arteries are clogging just thinking about it, but it's it's like really good. There, there's so many things that they have that just they seem like such a good idea, but it's like I just can't, I can't do that to myself anymore. <laughs> I don't I know mean, what 
I don't know what like I'm, I'm certainly not health conscious, but like whatever is like the bare minimum for paying attention to your health, that's where I'm at right now. So I can't do like like I saw someone had the helmet Sunday at the White House game with like they it's like the entire catcher's helmet is filled to the brim with ice cream and Cool Whip and whatever, a banana. I don't even know what the hell they put in there. It's just, there's so much stuff in there. And I know it's not designed for one person. It's designed for a group. And at the bottom of it is a giant uh, elephant ear that ends up soggier than anything you've ever had in your life. But I just, I I can't like, that's even like the helmet Irish nachos are just the plain helmet nachos. Like I can't do these things anymore. Yo, the uh, the the Blackhawks like a couple of years ago started doing nachos and ice cream sundaes in Hawks helmets upstairs, and I think they should start putting Connor Murphy's number on all the plastic helmets. <laughs> That'd be a good stuff. <laughs> okay, going to the simple stuff. Can we talk about how bad the White Sox Stadium pizza is? Beggars? Yeah, I'm not a fan of beggars. I I don't know what it, something about it is like. There goes there goes our sponsorship. Off. <laughs> something about it tastes off. I don't know if it's the See, cheese. I don't know if it's the sauce, but something. I never off. get pizza games though. Like, I mean, <clears throat> all right, coming from like, I, I I grew up with the Cubs, so it's like they have pizza all over the fucking place in Wrigleyville. But when you go to a Sox game, it's like a treat to get some of those deadly foods. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. have everything else there. Yeah, Shepard, don't they have beggars? Pe- You're in the suburbs, don't they have Shep uh, beggars pizzas by you? Oh, I don't like. I go to like the local places. Well, I, I beggars is a local chain. It's it's like it's a Chicago like area chain. It's yeah. I don't. I don't even think it's outside of like Chicago. Chicago and the like there's us, some right? in Northwest Indiana, and there's some in the Chicago suburbs. But that's it. Okay. We so it's, so it's technically us, yeah. it's like it's port like kind of like Portillo's. It's a regional chain. Yeah. Although they're not in Arizona, I right. don't think. Not yet. I think nope, they're, they're, nope, they're not good enough for that. No, I have two. I have two mainstays, and it's Lou's and then uh, Riccone's. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, cause I, the reason I asked that shepherd is cause like I've had beggars pizza at the restaurants. And so and like when I go to a baseball game, I'm not going to get a beggars pizza because I can get that. I I've won. It's across the street from the office where I work during the day. Like I can go there anytime I want to, I'm not going to get it at a baseball game. Now the uh, Cuban missile, or I think it's called the Cuban, not the Cuban missile, the Cuban it's just a Cuban sandwich, but it's named after a player who has a nickname and it's escaping me and it's really going to piss me off. But uh, they have Cuban sandwiches at the White House games that are phenomenal. Well, yeah, because pe- half so like the team is Cuban now. Yeah, but it's... They, they better be. They better have Cuban sandwiches. I, I got I to gotta look this up because... The, the pizza at the UC is friggin' DiGiorno now. It's like, I'm not going to pay eleven fifty for a slice of frozen pizza. <laughs> like, seriously, like, I know they're endorsed and they're getting a bunch of money for that, but come on. It's the Cuban Comet sandwich. That's what it was. But yes, it's very, very good. It's named after Mini Minoso. Yeah. <laughs> um, trying to think of what other I like. I, we did as soon as I got into the stadium, I did a full lap around the concourse just to see what food options were there in Vermont and just smell the grilled onions. But you have to do that lap with two beers. Well, I mean, we only did it with one. It was it was a double. Oh, no. It's a marathon, oh, not enough. a sprint. I not, not my first rodeo. <laughs> But just remind myself of food options and and like kind of uh, this is, I think, something that people can look forward to during the next Hawk season. Just being back around that many people again was kind of was just delightful. I had random conversations with strangers sitting in front of me, strangers sitting behind me, to the side of me. It was so goddamn nice to have that again. Did and you I, see any fights? 
No. Thank I will God. say, though, so I was at the game on set, the, the doubleheader Saturday. In the first inning, Baltimore hit a home run, and uh, it landed in the crowd. A White Sox fan picked it up and threw it back on the field and got tossed. I know that guy personally. And I, uh, I, I, I won't say his name, but I just, I saw him, I saw him and my brother's like texting members of his family. Like, Hey, I think, I think your dad just got thrown out of the white. Wait, you're not allowed oh, to throw it. You're not allowed to throw it back. No, apparently not. That's just, that's just a Cubs thing. I, I guess so. It's ridiculous. Which I thought was kind of stupid. Like, I mean, I think throwing it back is dumb anyway, cause I would want to keep it, but <laughs> maybe if I was younger. I'd want to keep it anyways, but it yeah, that's that they don't allow throwing from the stands at all. Yeah. Yeah, I know Turner too. Field had that. But give the guy his home run ball. They threw it back. It's an opposing team. Let him keep it. Screw it. And the fact that they threw the guy out of the stadium was just like, That's come it. on. Right. It, it wasn't It wasn't a, rest, a Russell Westbrook level violation. It's, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. not like they were throwing a beer at some player. Yeah, he didn't throw it at Leary Garcia in center field. He just threw it yeah. onto the field. That guy's arm probably isn't good enough for that. I mean, that's, a, <laughs> no. that's a deep outfield. Yeah, yeah. That's and if he, even if he did, Lori would probably just catch it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, I'm glad I wasn't trying to make fun of that, but I keep seeing them in my Twitter feed, like different fights, but I think no, that's because no, St. Louis was, was in town and those people are crazy, well, but it was all white Sox fans. We were sitting like the first fight that broke out on Monday night. That was all over Twitter. Like our seats were in that section basically. So I, I was joking with the people with us. I'm like, let's try not to get in any fights. Like I don't, well, that's a good place to sit though. It, they're great seats. Like we were three rows up from the bullpen. It was, it was kind of cool, but uh, yeah, stop fighting at sports events for the love of God. Stop throwing yeah, all, sp- all sports. Don't fight. <laughs> if, yeah. I, I mean, you fight on the ice, I guess. Cause they let you, but in the fights in the crowd are just, man, you know, we're lucky that the Leafs and Habs didn't have fans because somebody would have got thrown on the ice. <laughs> Seriously. That was nuts. I mean, people have been throwing jerseys themselves opponent fan like oh i mean that's that's how it used to be hawks wings you know mm-hmm. yeah people are people are bitter but i saw that all those videos and i was like ah well i was like i've never seen any real serious problems at Sox games i'm like that's probably just because st louis is in town yeah if we can blame st louis i'm here for it i mean like oh yeah we'll blame st, st. louis yeah we'll just blame st louis because okay. they're crazy yeah <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, any other final thoughts before we uh, put a bow on this episode? I'm about to move to St. Louis. <laughs> I know. I, that's, I was I oh, laughing up. in the background. I didn't know if you wanted to share that with the class or not, but yeah. Should we send you some like uh, some armor or something? <laughs> uh, hopefully, I will be going to Blues games, and I will if be you, wearing a Blackhawks jersey. If you get a helmet, just make sure it fits, unlike Connor Murphy's, because the Blues fans will try to take it off your head. I just, yeah, like I'm. I, I did like there. There's parts of St. Louis that aren't go to a damn it. What's it called? I think Pappy Smokehouse, one yeah. a, wonderful barbecue place. It was like on Man versus Food, but Nellyville. That's that's the one place in uh, in St. Louis I will defend. Outside of that, nah, I'm, I'm good. Um, and then uh, I don't know, enjoy like unsufferable heat and humidity for e- even longer than they get it in the Chicago area. Oh, I lived in Texas for two years. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. I was about to say, there's if you've lived in the South for any period of time, it doesn't matter. So I've been to St. Louis in the summer, and it's nothing compared to Texas, okay. Georgia, Tennessee even. I'm, I'm going to be in Utah 
in this weekend. And if one more person tells me, but it's a dry heat, I don't give a shit. It's a hundred degrees. I don't care how dry the heat is. A hundred degrees is a hundred degrees. Yeah. I'm going to Florida in, at the end of August. And I'm like kind of thinking about how much I'm going to actually golf if it's miserable. Oh, it's a, it's a swamp. That Florida is a swamp. It's I've like, gone to Florida like I'm a billion times. It's like walking through other people's sweat sometimes. Like because that. I got because the, t- the the tickets are like the flight tickets are so much cheaper for when I got them. Well, yeah, because nobody wants to go to Florida in August. I mean, like I don't know. I I you know it's like a thousand degrees in September where we live. So whatever. Yeah, but right. think about that with wetness on top of it. Like, and, well, I've like, been there like a billion times. Like it's just like wetness. Mm. Nothing was worse for me than Arizona. Yeah, I've never been to a state that has like it's really really hot and then dry on top of that. I've been to places that are hot and then are like New Gym. York, yeah, or that yeah. smell really bad because like New York smells disgusting in the summer. Yeah, New York, New York City is gross. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I'm never going back. My my friend just moved to Brooklyn and she's like, "Come visit me this summer," and I was like, "I'll see you in maybe October, like maybe." <laughs> Fall time? The, no. the main thing I've gotten from this, I'm moving to northern Canada. Fuck all of this. <laughs> it's really clean. It's really clean. I'm I'm sure it is. And uh and the healthcare is free. So so two two for two. Free. Um, it might not be great, but it's free and we gotta take that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Uh thank you so much for listening to this episode. Again, I'm on Twitter at underscore Dave Melton, Shepherds at Shepherd Price, Mills at Mill182. Betsy's not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the moniker LBR where you can find her stuff, everybody else's stuff. We're going to have plenty more Hawks deep dives and we're going to, I guess we'll find things to talk. Maybe we'll just do weather takes for 45 minutes on next week's episode, or maybe we'll talk about the world. We'll we'll find some way to entertain ourselves and and hopefully you at the same time. Uh, But thanks again for listening to this episode. Keep an eye on the website for whatever we got. And uh, as always, go Hawks. (laughs) 